Metro has the best deal in wireless with affordable 5G phones so you can rule your day. Right now, switch to Metro and get the latest 5G phones like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Limited time offer. Requires port from eligible carrier, ID validation, and auto pay. Two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. Restrictions apply. See store or metrobytmobile.com for more details. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. guide dogs and service animals. That's what I'm going to be talking to you about today. Here from the beautiful studios at Radio America near the D.C. Swamp, this is the Sarah Carter Show. And I want you to stay with me because I'm going to tell you a personal story. story about me and my family and our beautiful guide dog, Kenny, and his retirement and our new guide dog, Summit, who helps my husband every day be independent get to work, be a second set of eyes. And it's a really important story, America, because there are so many veterans out there who have given so much to their country. And my husband's just one of thousands who have been wounded and who come back to their country, uh, you know, sometimes broken, sometimes it's physical, sometimes you don't see it. It could be PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, It could be something that they're living with inside, and maybe sometimes they just feel alone. I can tell you this, my husband Marty is my greatest hero. He is one of the most, you know, regardless of of me being married to, I think, the greatest man on the planet, even if I wasn't, I would look up to him anyways, because he is somebody who took Probably one of the worst things that can happen to a person, one of the top things, loss of eyesight. Your world completely changes. It's upside down. Here's a guy that could do anything. Great shooter, amazing sportsman, used to coach baseball with his kids, always was there for anybody who needed him, loved to drive, loved his motorcycle, his victory motorcycle, and all of that was just taken away from him in one instant, in one moment, in one moment on the battlefield in eastern Afghanistan, fighting terrorists to free our country and to ensure that those terrorists would not come here and do the same thing here. It was a really rough day. It was a tough day because I was with the kids. I'm going to tell you a little backstory here. We were in uh, Six Flags out here getting ready to, you know, it's Easter Sunday, uh, gone to church, took the kids to Six Flags. We were having a wonderful day. I was actually getting ready to go to Afghanistan myself. Uh, I was two days away from my trip, all packed, ready to go to cover the war. And I thought, this is going to be amazing. This is the first time Marty and I are going to be in Afghanistan together. And I was going to make sure that I was at the base where he was at just so I could see him just for a 
you know, even if it was a day while I was covering uh, the war and I get a call. The kids are on the roller coaster. They're having so much fun. And I get a call from Marty, actually. And he sounds really out of it. And I hadn't talked to him in like three or four days because I knew he was out on a mission. And he says to me on the phone, uh, baby, I got dinged up a little bit. And I never heard his voice that way. I never heard him talk to me that way. And I knew just by the sound of his voice that it was probably a little bit more than dinged up. But that's how Marty is. And that's why he made that phone call. I mean, he basically begged the doctors for his voice to be the first voice that I heard. And then a doctor gets on the line with me. And uh, he tells me, you know, uh, Sarah, this is going to be a very intensive surgery. Uh, Your husband was severely injured uh, by a grenade during armed combat. And we don't know if he's going to live through this surgery. And all of a sudden, my whole world started to spin. And the kids were just getting off the roller coaster. And I looked at them and I kept my composure and I said why don't you guys go back on the roller coaster again and I did because I didn't know what to say to them didn't know what to do I mean I was just kind of s- standing there feeling like my life had been just turned upside down and I, I wanted to do something and I couldn't and I I can tell you every military wife every wife whose or husband whose wife is overseas dreads that moment dreads that call we all know it can happen but we don't realize it until it actually happens and the sense of shock is kind of overwhelming and I haven't really talked about that day since then actually because it was it's so emotional for me but I just wanted to set the scene for you of what happened and how that transpired eventually Marty did of course survive that surgery he came back Uh, he was treated here in Washington D.C. Uh, and then we went through a year of rehab. We ended up in uh, California at Palo Alto. Um, I, by the way, I want to throw a shout out to the Fisher House, uh, which is a remarkable, remarkable nonprofit that aids families, military families, and everyone, uh, you know, anyone who has a child in a hospital or who is in need of a home to stay at when, they're, when their loved one's going through extensive treatment, you could stay at the Fisher House and, with your family and be really close to them, but still have a sense of home uh, near the hospital. Uh, so that's what we did. And Marty went through rehab. I kind of pulled away from working on stories, uh, just run, just doing a column. I wanted to be there for my family full time. And by the way, the family, the children, the trauma of a father who used to be able to do everything now bumping into walls. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure, Adam. You just seem to have such a good pos- positive attitude, and I just this is the first time I'm ever hearing this story. Like, there's tears in all of our eyes in the control room, and I'm just curious, like, how you don't have more anger in your journalism? Because I've seen so much of this. I, anger gets us nowhere, right? I mean, I, you, when it first happens, you're angry, because, or, or you're, hope, you're wishing for something. You're thinking, okay, this can't be true. That you know, he's not going to be blind forever. Uh, he's going to pull through this. Something's going to happen, and it doesn't. It was Marty. 
actually. And and maybe me, because I traveled so much throughout the world and I'd seen so many of the horrors. Horrors that happened to horrors that happened to children. Um in the battlefield or in other regions of the world where there's sex trafficking or where, you know, uh, people don't have the same rights or there's been uh, maybe a natural disaster. I mean, things happen, right? We all have our own cross to bear, whether that's being blinded in the war zone or getting the diagnosis of cancer, right? We all have to find a way to, to reach into that deep part of ourselves and say, we're alive. This is not over. I'm going to keep fighting. And I remember Marty, a doctor, asking that same question, Adam. And Jenny Tara is here, by the way, in uh, with me uh, here at the studios. She writes, don't forget, go to sarahcarter.com. I'm going to throw that out there in the middle of my story, but I got to do it. Like a pro. Yeah. <laughs> go to sarahcarter.com for the latest stories and the newest developments. But today we're just going to be focused on this, uh, the, the importance of guide dogs and service animals. Uh, I can tell you this. A psychologist asked Marty, how did you get through this so quickly? And his perception was Marty was not making this up. He wasn't trying to bury it. I saw him, you know, break down a few times because it is really difficult to realize that you're never going to see again or that you'll never see your children's faces again. You'll never see your wife's face again. That was really tough news. And Marty said to him, why am I going to sit here and dwell on things that I cannot change? I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to look at what I have. And what I have is a great family, a future, and a challenge. And what he chose to do was look at his blindness as a challenge. And that's what's important here is finding a way to take a really terrible situation and turn it into something that makes you a better human being. And that's what he did. And so that's why I don't look at this negatively. That's why I did go back to Afghanistan a number of times after he was blinded and wrote those stories. And it was tough, very tough. But let me go back to Kenny and our beautiful new dog, Summit. The reason Marty was able to do this, people, is because they had people around him who loved him and helped him. It's not all, you don't do it by yourself. You gotta have support. Our family was a great support for him, for my husband. All the kids, they were positive. He was positive with them. You know, it's still tough, but we worked together to make things happen. We still did stuff. We still did stuff as a family, and now there's so much out there for people with disabilities. Even going to the movies, he can hear because they have uh, devices that are voiceovers. So he could actually go to a movie and watch the movie with his family or with our children, and he knows what's going on. It's so awesome. Wait a minute. How does that work? Oh, yeah. So it's like a voiceover. Netflix also has voiceovers on all their show. You just put it on audio description, which is descriptive audio. That's amazing. And it tells the story without you having to see it. It's amazing. But let me tell you something about the about the service animal. And I have a great guest who is coming on with us from Southeastern Guide Dog School who uh, changed my husband's life. They changed my husband's life. He went back to work. Why? Because he was able to get a great guide dog. And his name is Kenny, and he's beautiful, and he's nine years old, and he just retired. But he became my husband's partner, his buddy, his pal, 
Now I'm going to cry. Now I'm going to actually, this is so, it's, he became his second set of eyes. When you see somebody out there in public walking with their guide dog and they're blind, remember that they don't see anything that we see around them. It's easy to just walk by them because we think, oh, I'm walking by, maybe throw up a hand or like say, but say hello, you know, say, hey man, how's your day? You know, people with disabilities, whether it's blindness or something physical, uh, a wheelchair like Charles Krauthammer, who was an incredible man and a colleague um, at Fox News, you know, they're the regular people. They just have a disability. But Kenny became his buddy and became his pal. And beyond being just a second set of eyes, Kenny's like a person. He had his bad days, his good days. Sometimes he, sometimes he actually walked Marty into a wall. <laughs> or he would like, yeah, it would, it would be, we would all make fun of Kenny. And Kenny had terrible gas, by the way. That's a story, that's an ongoing story uh, about Kenny. Everyone at my husband's work knew uh, Kenny because of his terrible gas. But it, it didn't matter. Kenny could get Marty from point A to point B. Loved being with him, still does. Um... And uh, But eventually they retire and you get a new dog. But remember, they're not just a second set of eyes. That's huge. And these dogs are incredible. The things these dogs can do and the love that they have for the people that they're working for, which I call their partner, um, is unbelievable. And I've watched it over the last, you know, eight years. But now Summit is in our lives, and he's a new dog, and that's why I have our guest with us today, Jennifer Bryan from Southeastern Guide Dog School. I want her to talk to you. I want you to understand from from the school that actually trains these remarkable, remarkable animals and selects these beautiful dogs, usually Labradors, um, also Golden Retriever Labrador Mix, which is a gold adore. That's what Kenny was. Now Summit is a full Labrador, but she's going to explain to you what it means to have one of these remarkable creatures in your life and what it does for not just our veterans, uh, but for everyone and why we as Americans need to do everything we can to support our fellow citizens with disabilities. Jennifer, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, First, I want to say thank you. For everything Southeastern Guide Dog School has done for my husband. And I talk to our listeners. I let them know how much having a service animal, a guide dog, a friend has changed our lives as a family and really given my husband all the independence that I could have ever wanted for him considering the circumstances uh, that led to his blindness. And it's actually been an incredible, incredible experience in our lives and has taught me so much. So first of all, I just wanted to say thank you, Jennifer Bryan. Thank you, Southeastern Guide Dog Schools, for making our lives so much better and so whole and for giving my husband the independence that he needed. Uh, I just First, I just want you to talk a little bit about Southeastern Guide Dog School. Let us know what it's, what's going on there because I know, I know what Marty tells me all the time, uh, but I want to hear it from you. I would be happy to share that with you. Um, Well, we are busy training dogs, matching students with um, these highly trained dogs that are able to help in so many different ways. 
Um, we've got puppy raisers all over the place raising our puppies. Um, and we are conduct- conducting class after class of our guide program and our service program. With the, I wanted you to explain a little bit more because I don't think people really understand what goes into this. I mean, this is not just a dog. You just give someone a dog and they walk off. I mean, there's a whole process here. And you talked a little bit about the puppy raisers. Could you explain that? Um, I know we didn't. We don't get the dogs until they're almost two years old. So there's a two-year process of actually training them, raising them, and making them ready, right? Certainly. It actually starts before that. We start with our genetics and reproduction department. Um, so we are able to choose the very best of the best to breed. So we breed our dogs on campus. We raise them in our puppy academy until they're about... 10 to 12 weeks old and at that point they do go home with puppy raisers and the puppy raisers then teach them several um, commands and teach them how to live in a home and how to they socialize them taking them to you know grocery stores on trips all over the place um, getting the dogs used to people and we actually begin handling them at three days old because we want these puppies these tiny little puppies to know and love people we want them to bond with people so once they've gone home with their puppy raisers and they live with their puppy raiser approximately a year then they come back to campus for formal training when they work with our trainers and they live here on campus and at that point they choose their career so um, it's kind of uh, academically based. They begin in the puppy academy. They come back after being raised with a, with their puppy raiser, and they go to Canine University. And uh, the the trainers then determine what is the best career for these dogs. And then they begin um, customizing their training to help. Uh, the service members and also um, our visually impaired graduates. I think that's so that's so incredible. There's so much that goes into this, and that's why it's so important, you know, that people follow like the rules when it comes to guide dogs and service animals. And I I just wanted to go into that really quick because a lot of people out there, and they mean well, they see this beautiful lab who's so handsome and cute, and mm-hmm. they want to come up and they want to play with them, and they want to touch the dogs when they're actually you know working with uh with with whoever has the disability whether they're uh blind or whether it's a different disability can you talk a little bit about so people understand that the person who's disabled is not trying to be rude but just has the you the dog becomes a part of them their partner and they really need the dog just to live and work absolutely it's it's incredibly important for people to recognize that these aren't just pets, these are working dogs. Um, they need to be able to pay attention to their surroundings. And if somebody's coming up, you know, ooing and awing over a cute dog trying to pet the dog, the dog's gonna get distracted. So if the dog's distracted, the dog's not able to perform its jobs, you know, to its best of, to the best of its ability. So um, we, you know, some of the dogs on their harnesses, they might have a badge that says, I'm working, please don't pet me. And it's just incredibly important that, no, we're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to be stingy with these animals, but um, <laughs> they need to focus and they need to, you know, be able to perform their job of helping a veteran or helping a visually impaired person. And that's and that's important for people to know, because like I said in my opening, uh, there are veterans that utilize the dogs as well, the service animal for PTSD, for other mm-hmm. issues. There's also medical issues that people may be utilizing uh, the dog or uh, need the dog for, uh, in a sense, I've seen it for epilepsy. People with epilepsy have dogs. Uh, One of the things that everybody is asking me, you know, there's some people that just don't understand 
that a service animal is protected under the Americans with Civil Liberties, um, I mean, Americans with Disabilities Act. I think I've been focusing on so many other <laughs> things, but the American with Disabilities Act and the importance of that law. And, you know, when you go to a restaurant, I can give you an example. When Marty first got Kenny, when he first got Kenny, we were in New Jersey. We went to a restaurant uh, and they told us that we couldn't come in. Because we had a dog and I had to basically read them the section of the American with Disabilities Act and get the manager to come over to basically let us into the restaurant. And I was really upset about it. But then you know, Marty's always much more calm than me. He said, oh, not everybody knows. They don't always know the rules. But could you explain that so that people do understand the rules? Yes. Um, these dogs have every privilege as the handler. Um, and it's it's really unfortunate that so many people abuse the system and put fake coats on dogs, try and sneak them on airplanes, um, and we have you know, seen that. just want to take them to the grocery store or to the restaurant with them when it's truly not a service animal. Um, because the service animals are highly trained. The training that goes into these animals is just, it's very strategic. Uh, they, they're trained to do select things for each person. Um, some of the service dogs will turn a light on for somebody if they, if they have a fear of the dark. If there's a loud noise, they know to you know give the person a hug command and just calm them down a little bit. Um, the, the, dogs, the, the guide dogs, they have a block command. If, you know, if somebody's walking across the street and there's a hybrid vehicle coming and they don't hear it and the dog has been told to go forward, the dog will, it's called a, uh, I forgot what it's called. Um, but it basically, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Marty uh, says that's the worst thing now for him is the yeah, hybrid vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the dogs are taught intelligent disobedience. And so they'll basically not listen and they block the person, even though the person has told them to go forward. So that's they're incredibly smart and they're protected because they, they are performing such an important duty. You know, it is it is so important for people to understand that these animals are remarkable uh, and that so much goes into them. I don't know if you can talk about this, but I know that a lot of people donate to Southeastern Guide Dog Schools. Uh, the training and the just raising of the dog is so expensive. I don't know if that's something you all can talk about, but what goes into these mm -hmm. animals and the amount of money that it costs to uh, ensure that somebody is living a, a whole and fulfilled life because of them, well, it, it is costly. Yes. The training of each dog, it's tens of thousands of dollars. Um, I mean, if you take into account everything that it takes from the breeding and genetics and the reproduction uh, programs and our puppy raising and, you know, just food, um, veterinary care. It truly adds up. We have an annual um, operating budget of $32 million. That does include in-kind um, proceeds as well. But um, fundraising is huge for us because we do not receive any government funding. We rely solely on private contributions. So, um it's, it's a big operation, and it does cost a lot of money, but we are so incredibly thankful to the supporters that we have out there because every penny they donate is genuinely changing a life, as you know very well. Oh, I know. I know. It has made—I can't even begin to tell you the difference it's made in our lives and as a family. I mean— 
you know, they become a part of your family. They are a part of your tribe and they know it. And these dogs are just so beautiful and remarkable. I want to give this last bit up to you. I want you to be able to express to our listeners what's most important to you, what you hope people get out of this interview and what can they do to make a difference? Certainly. Um, Well, we exist to nurture these partnerships between people and dogs. Um, everyone at this organization is here because we want to be here. We, we get to see the magic um, when these dogs are paired with these people in need. I mean, we've heard so many amazing stories. Um, a gentleman once said that he was able to take the leash off of his wife when he put it on the dog or the harness. Um, <laughs> we have not lost a, I know. Isn't that I know well, no, I know the feeling. <laughs> I bet you do come to think of it. Yeah. Um, We have not lost a single service dog graduate to suicide, and that speaks volumes. Huge, especially when we hear really quickly, especially when we hear Mm -hmm. the rising death toll of our service members with suicide. Listen, out there, for all of you listeners, this is so important. You know, these dogs, these service animals change people's lives. They actually give them hope. They give them a partnership so that they're not alone. And I, I can't stress it enough that you take some time just to look into this, you know, and, and say hello to a service member. You know, it doesn't mean you need to go up and play with their guide dog or with their service animal, but let them know that you care about them. Let them know that you're thankful for them, that their sacrifice was worth it. And uh, I'm going to give it back to you really quick before I have to let you go. Uh, Jennifer, I, I really appreciate the time you've given to me here and what you have to tell the American public is so important. Thank you so much. Um, Yes, our organization, like I said, we do rely on private contributions. So feel free to look us up, guidedogs.org. And we're we're just happy to do what we do. It's it's truly an amazing place to work and, and to see the transformation of these individuals once they are given independence through a dog. Oh, thank you so much. You're absolutely right. I I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here with me today. I also want to ask you a favor. I would love one of these days to just come down to Southeastern Guide Dog School and spend some time with you and talk with you. Uh, I didn't get a chance to do it this time while Marty was training, but I would love to do something special. And uh, I just extend that invitation uh, to you that I will do whatever it takes to get the word out and ensure that Southeastern Guide Dog School keeps providing these most awesome, beautiful, beautiful I don't even want to say animals, but an extended family member. Friends. Friends. Our our pet friends, right, Adam? Uh, So thank you so much, Jennifer. Sure. We would love to have you down here anytime. You've got my number. Please give me a call. And I will give Jennifer Bryan a call. She has changed our lives. Southeastern Guide Dog School has changed our lives. She is the director of philanthropy. Remember, this is this is by donation. I mean, their budget is, you know, is it seems large but it's families that they're helping they are raising these dogs i didn't even i didn't even realize adam jenny that they actually it's the genetics from the very beginning of the dog's life and i, wanna, I mean marty's I wanna, had the dog with 
with our family. I mean, we've had Kenny for eight years. Well, I wanted to ask her, can any, do you know, can any dog be a guide dog or is it a certain breed? Oh, well, I know they have certain breeds that they like more than others. And I know there's German Shepherds. They use labs. It's mainly because of their temperament and their ability you know, to basically think. I mean, that a dog, a guide dog, it's funny. Let me tell you this story real quick because this is so great. So Kenny and Summit, you know, spend their whole day working. And you would think like, okay, so they stop before a crosswalk. They keep Marty safe from oncoming traffic. They know when there's a hybrid car vehicle there. By the way, Marty hates that because he can't even hear him. So it's imagine you're just like falling backwards. Remember when you were a kid? And you kind of just fell trust backwards, falls? the trust fall. <laughs> Remember that? We're going to teach you to trust. That's what he does all day long, every day. I mean, he wouldn't even know if he was walking down the street and there was a mug, a mugger, you know, coming towards him to to, to take him down. He wouldn't even see him. Well, didn't you tell but us the, the first dog, thing he said was that it was like it was like being in a cave? That's exactly how Marty described it to me. Um, I, I asked him when he was first blinded, what is it like? And he said it's like being in a cave, like velvety, like a textured velvety black. Wow. And it felt like he was walking through a tunnel and could hear voices because he sees nothing. He has no light perception wow. whatsoever. So, but let me tell you about the dog. The, the dog is actually working. So they're exhausted. Imagine the dog has to think. It has to focus all the time. So you get these dogs that you need to have the right kind of animal. You can't have an animal who has a prey drive, right? You can't have a dog that's like, I saw a squirrel and now I must attack it or I must run after it. So they, they try to find dogs that have a very low prey drive. Almost none, because Kenny and Summit love the cat. We have a cat, Barry. Jenny knows Barry very well. I love Barry. Yeah, Barry's a little. He's a he's a rescue cat, and he's a little embarrassing. He was, um, you know, he was on Prozac, very stressed out. He was overweight when I got him. Now he's doing a little bit better, but. Anyways, Barry's like licking the hair off his legs or something. It's something weird now. He's got some kind of anxiety thing going on. He was it was a rescue, okay, not guys? A rescue. Prozac? <laughs> not enough Prozac. Not enough Prozac. He's not on Prozac. We've he's actually doing really well right now. So we're gonna see if it's I don't know something to do with his food. But anyway, Summit and Kenny love Barry. So the and and Pika too. Little Pika Lola. I know I got a lot of animals, guys. But you know. So Pika Lola is my little dog. She's a she-poo poodle mix. She would be the most horrible guide dog on the planet. She has no respect for anyone. She's very snobby, and she kind of does her own thing, right? But they all snuggle together. And Pika's actually the alpha dog in our family. So Summit and Kenny are just sweet, loving dogs, but they're very smart. And they actually, like people, get exhausted they get so exhausted. They come back from a day of working, and you could just see it. They're like, man, I just want to eat my food, run around, shake it off, you know, have a good time. I don't want to think anymore uh, because they spend their whole day concentrating. So in answer to your question, which I took, like, all kinds of roads on. <laughs> but a fun one. But it was a fun run. Yeah, it was a fun road, right? Um, but uh in answer to your question, no, they they have to have dogs that are, they can only have selective type of dogs and it takes a lot of work and believe it or not, a lot of the dogs, they sometimes just don't make it. They can't even get through the school.
so they'll give them for something different. Maybe you're not a good guide dog for a blind person, but you're better at PTSD. Maybe you just didn't qualify for any of those, but you'd be a great dog uh, to take to a nursing home, to comfort people in a nursing home. So imagine these animals, they just give so much of their lives. And they're placed in families that absolutely love them. So it's not like they're working like a workhorse or like it's like a, some kind of circus where, you know, animals are abused. By the way, Southeastern Guide Dog School comes at least twice a year to our house to ensure that the dog is safe living in a great environment, that they're not overweight, that their their health is maintained. So this is a very serious, serious business, right? Because not only are they helping you, but there's a big investment in these animals, and they want to make sure that the animals are treated well. And I know there's a lot of other great guide dog schools out there. This is just personal for me. And, you know, it's funny. I It took a while, but during the intro, you know, reliving that, what I went through with Marty, you know, was really tough. But I want you all to know, as listeners, there is this amazingly remarkable positive side. We have learned so much about ourselves and our family. We've learned what we can handle. And it also makes you appreciate other people. You know, I now I actually go out of my way, out of my way to just say hi or talk to somebody who's disabled. Because, you know, Sometimes it can be kind of scary because you you see someone and you don't want to approach a stranger or you feel uncomfortable because maybe you've never dealt with a disability before and you don't want to come across as brash or... I taught special ed for three years and it's funny because my parents, when I was growing up, they both, my dad drove a special ed bus and my mom was a, uh, a teacher's assistant. In oh, the, wow. So you really... I thought I would, I swore I would never touch anything in the special ed world with a 10-foot pole. For, I was a bad, like as a kid, I would even eat the food that they brought home because I just thought it was gross. And I feel horrible saying that. Yeah. I was 15. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. You don't know things. You don't know. You're you're not exposed. You don't know. And but how did of, that change Well, for because you? then out of college, my first job, I taught special ed for three years. And I had to teach math to kids who only knew the four letters in their name at a middle school level. 17 wow. years old, still in middle school, reading at a third grade level. And, and you realize the amount of personality that is in these kids... And the amount of creativity that's in these kids, you would never know it if you didn't just walk up and say, hi, I got to, it was the three best years of my life. Wow, that's so great to hear, Adam. That's awesome because I feel the same way. And I feel like it, you know, it changed my life, um, especially, you know, with Marty. I, I don't see him any different than I did before. And people will say, oh, it must be so hard. How does he live blind? And I'll hear all these questions that people have like, oh, I don't think I could do it if I was blinded. And I said, do what? Live life? Life is good. Life is great. It's not perfect. None of us are perfect. You know, we all have something. But Marty sees the world now through such a different set of eyes, right? Through his mind. It's more important now what people say to him. He's not just looking. He's not distracted. He's focused. He's focused on the person that's talking to him. Uh, unless, actually, <laughs> unless he's on, you know, his earbuds listening to a book and I think he's sitting there listening to me. I like this guy. Jenny, can we get him on the show? 
We are going to have to get Marty on the oh, show. Absolutely. We are going to have to get my husband absolutely. on the show. He is amazing. He's... Going off your point too, Sarah, uh-huh. this is really interesting. I mean, when we were in Japan together, Marty right. was with us. And I mean, I couldn't believe how much he had just taken in from being there without seeing anything. And he would say things like, I could see myself here like in long term. And you just think about he's really taking it in from just what he hears, what he tastes, what people are like around him. And right. And the smells. That's the a big, smells. you know, you could, you feel you're, you're right, Jenny. He's in a different place, a completely different country. Can't see anything. And he's taking that all in. And that to me is, that makes me appreciate every bit of life around me because we use so much of our eyesight is so much of our world, Right. And, but one of the funny things is too, is like the weird things that happen with a guide dog. And I'm just going to tell you this before I wrap it up, because there are some stories I got to tell you guys, they can be embarrassing. So the first time when we got Kenny, we went to a mall, which I shall not name. And Marty and I, you know, he's getting used to the dog. He thought that Kenny had already, you know gone to the restroom and uh no Kenny had not and so we go into the mall we're we're way deep in the mall this is when I was pregnant with Annalise so I'm very very pregnant and with our youngest and we're in the mall and I'm looking for maternity clothes and Marty's getting used to Kenny and all of a sudden Kenny starts like moving in a very strange way (laughs) I was absolutely sure something was going to happen. And I'm like, let's go. Let's get out of the mall. And I'm moving quickly with him. And somehow we ended up in like the fancy department area of the store, which I will not name, in the mall. And it was all these beautiful gowns and dresses. And all of a sudden, as I'm telling Marty, go, go, let's move it. Let's go fast. Kenny just starts letting it all out. And now I've got Marty walking, right? Because it's my fault. I won't let him just stand still with the dog because I don't know what to do, right? I don't know what to do with the dog that's doing number two. And Kenny's moving along and he's leaving a trail. Oh. Yeah. And okay. (laughs) And a trail and it's not smelling good. We had Kenny painted up as this awesome picture. And right at the end, I know. I'm not tearing him down. This is, he was a pup. He was young. He wasn't, he, Marty and I were not sure. It never happened again. But I can tell you this being pregnant. And um, having to get a bag from the lady at the store, which I will not mention, and pick that up all the way down to the door was like my, like that experience probably was not a good one. But I can tell you this, eight years later, I wouldn't trade it for the world, for anything. Kenny is my buddy, my friend, my pal. He sits with me now under my desk. He gives me kisses every time I get home, and he loves me no matter what. And guess what? I love you too, Kenny and Marty and my entire family and you, America. It's a great day. We are taking back the story. Thank you so much for being with me on The Sarah Carter Show. Please follow me at sarahacarter.com. You can read Jenny's stories there too. And follow Follow me on Twitter. Gosh, I'm almost at a million. Hopefully, I'll be at a million. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, I'll be over a million. But who knows? Follow me at Sarah Carter DC. That's Sarah Carter DC. Remember, we're taking back the story. God bless you, America. Love you.
Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all in packages, including $50 free slot play, VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. Not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.